In this episode of Zathlon Talk, I'm joined by Phil Cerami of Souderton Area High School in Pennsylvania, this year's Pennsylvania State Champions. Hello. Hello, Nick. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm living the dream over here. Yeah. Getting ready to go to nationals and all that jazz. Very nice. Would you like to tell our listeners who I'm speaking with? Sorry, I didn't catch that. What was that? I was saying, uh, would you like to tell our listeners who it is that I'm speaking with right now? Um, my name is Philip Cerami. Um, I'm the head coach of uh, uh, Pennsylvania State Champion uh, Academic Decathlon Team, uh, Southern Area High School. Very nice. And honestly, the reason I asked you that is because I couldn't remember how to say your last name. So I just kind of wanted to trick you into saying it. <laughs> <laughs> so Fair thanks enough. for playing along. Uh, so uh, you guys, and I, I know you don't want to brag, but uh, had some pretty a pretty good year. Uh, would you like to talk a little bit? Yeah about what just happened a few weeks ago or maybe a little bit over a month ago at your state championship? Um, well, it's been a long time coming. Um, we started our program, I guess, six years ago. And um, this, this year has been a, a heck of a year. We've been slowly building toward this process um, over the last six years from, from founding a team, establishing a culture, establishing our norms. And I guess over the past couple of years, we hit some milestones. Uh, two years ago, we were third in Pennsylvania. Last year, we were fourth in Pennsylvania, but had the, the high score in the, uh, in the state. And this year, we, we took the whole kit and caboodle, and it, and it came from you know, learning from mistakes, establishing new cultural elements, and, uh, and building the family and building the team the right way. Very nice. And we're going to go way back. Before we jump into all that amazing stuff that you're touching on around culture and building a team, I want to hear a little bit about you because you're the one that I'm interviewing here in our Road to Nationals series. By the way, this is this is the first okay. interview for Zathlon Talk um, for the Road to Nationals series. So I better start uh, finding some other guests for the rest of the series. But I appreciate you joining for this first one. Um, sure thing. My, my question is around where'd you start? Because I know you have a unique background and I'm thinking as far back as you can go in your decathlon journey, where does that begin and how did that get you to where you are today? Well, if we're going way, way back. Yeah, like um, infant times. <laughs> um, if we're going way, way back in, and if I, and if I miss pieces of your question, um, I apologize. Your, your, your feed to me is a little um, cutting in and out a little bit. Okay. Um, but if we're going way, way back, um, I guess we're starting from when I first saw the movie Billy Madison uh, back when I was like a middle schooler where they reference academic decathlon. I think we all know that, that, that wonderful quote from that, at least if you're of a certain age, uh, you know, if you're over 25 years old, you know, I, I award you no points. That was the, the worst possible answer I had ever heard. You know, may God have mercy on your soul. Yep. And um, I, I just remember that quotation. And when I went to North Penn High School, which if you know anything about Pennsylvania academic decathlon, they're kind of like the evil empire. Um, They've, they've won multiple state championships. They're, they're the big, one of the biggest schools in Pennsylvania. So I went there, and um, when they were, I guess this was 2002, they were advertising, hey, who wants to be on the academic team? I immediately thought to Billy Madison, and I said, hey, that's something I want to do because I thought that was a funny movie. Um, that was my sophomore year of high school. Didn't make the team because I didn't study. And then <laughs> uh, my junior year, 
you know, made it as a scholastic, you know, we were middling, you know, maybe 36,000 points, seventh in the state, something along that line. And then I don't know, something clicked. We, we were a group of juniors and um, we decided amongst ourselves, Hey, let's just do this. Let, let's do this the right way. At that point, there was a, there was a new big bad bully in town in uh, Northwest Pennsylvania collegiate Academy. And we were like, you know what? We didn't like losing. We don't like losing at state. So let's just, take a year and do everything we possibly can to, to make it happen. And I grew to, I, I, I started this love affair with this wonderful program that's lasted to this day. Um, we ended up being state champs in 2004 and I had this, this deep empty hole in my heart when it was all over. And I tried in every way, shape or form to get back to that in some way. I just had a love for what it did to me college was so easy com- compared to what was going on in academic decathlon. And I wanted to go into education. Um, I, I started out as a chem major and switched to education just to get back to this and to give this gift that gave so much to me, to other people. Um, in the meantime, to fill the academic itch, um, me and um, a guy by the name of Court Everett Jackson, uh, a lot of decathlon veterans might remember that name. We started this like, wiki for score archiving this was back i guess in the summer of 2004 the beginning of 2005 and um that started out as the first academic scores website and um that that turned eventually turned into with the help of sebastian garza rob dueling a couple of other people kevin teeling um into what is now known as the the academic scores and information center but it looks nothing like what it did back then um, but it was kind of cool to be part of that pioneering effort. I helped write uh, stuff for companies. I helped assistant coach at the t- at North Penn's team. Um, but the real the really cool element was when I f- was first hired as a, as a teacher at Renaissance Academy back in 2009. I started an academic program there. Um, we competed in the small school division. Never really did all that great. We, we posted a few 7,000 score decathletes, but we we're talking about a school with a graduating class of 50 kids. Um, and it was just a lot of fun to just start that and be a part of the program again. And uh, I guess in two, uh, the winter of 2012, um, I got hired at Souderton midway through the year, and uh, that's what started our journey here. Great. Very nice exposition i appreciate that a lot i didn't know most of that so i'm glad that not only i got to learn it but our listeners get to get an idea of of what a what a decathlon journey looks like when you start it from actually middle school so that's that's really cool yeah right (laughs) and pentathlon hadn't existed back then it still only kind of exists now (laughs) but i'm i'm glad i am glad though that it is bleeding into you know into that direction a little bit more because i think there's no reason that it shouldn't be involved in people's lives a little bit sooner than it is. I, I do think that the elements of academic decathlon can exist definitely outside of the small kind of scope that it's given right now. And I, and I hope that, that we continue to see things like that. So especially when we think about cases like yours, I, I think that that's really cool. And I, I wanted to just highlight a little bit of part of your story that I thought was interesting. We actually share a, you have a little bit more, uh, I think volume in, in terms of you spent more years doing academic decathlon. But I actually, I went to what I would call the evil empire uh, in Arizona as well, and then just couldn't get enough of ACDEC and decided to stick with it doing, you know, as you know, Decademy and now Zathlon. So I, I definitely right. feel very related in, in that in that respect that uh, it's really, once you get a taste of it, 
there's really nothing else like it out there. And you have to figure out a way to fill the void somehow. And most of us probably realize that the only way you can actually fill the void is to just continue to stay involved with it. It really is. And it's so hard to describe to other people because they think you're a wacko. I, they really do. Like like normal people. Like, like what do you have? Mm-hmm. An academic decathlon coach. Oh, okay, so you do like Jeopardy, right? Like, uh, it's a little different than that, you know? Yeah. It, it's yeah. this weird itch and this weird addiction. But, hey, I'd, I'd rather have that addiction than others, if you know what I mean. Uh, absolutely. And, well, and it's actually really funny when you do try to describe it to other people. Uh, never, never start with saying we take a bunch of tests in a room. <laughs> um, that, that makes it sound like you're even more crazy than they probably originally imagined. I know. I know. Yeah, we, we that, can get into that a little bit. That That's that's one of the inflection points in, in my coaching career was when we focused a little less on the uh, the, uh, the the test taking and the grind and more so on the relationship building. I'd love to hear more about that. I mean, gosh, if you want to if you want to invent the, the segue for the next part, I was going to jump to something else. But I think that that's actually super important to touch on. And this is a good time to touch on it. So please tell me yeah. tell me a little bit more about that, because I think a lot of schools could use some of that information. Well, I mean, me, me being the kind of guy I am, I'm a chemistry and physics teacher. I'm super analytical. Like I, my life is spreadsheets and numbers and, you know, heck, I, we, we started the score with the scores archive webpage. So if you got right. a mental picture of the kind of guy I am, that's the kind of guy I am. And when it, when it came to coaching, not every human being, especially varsities, uh, doesn't really love being analyzed and projected and, and numbers analyzed and, you know, and that kind of thing. And I wasn't really building those relationships very early on in my coaching career. And I guess I've been doing, I've been teaching for nine years. I've, I've had a team at one place or another or all of them. And back in 2016, um, we, we kind of shifted our focus in Souderton from like, all right, we're going to practice and grind and just take practice tests and isolate students and read and read and read. And we started doing things like, all right, we're going to have fun Fridays. You know, we'll, we'll go out to eat together or, um, you know, we'll, we'll go get unlimited tacos at the, the local place on Taco Tuesday or what have you. Um, over the summer, we would uh, start these. I actually started these like social challenges as a partnership with um, the podcast, The Art of Charm, um, that I got to know one of the founders um, via Twitter. And he gave me some exercises. And we started doing those over the summer where students started recording some things on their phones, uploading them. We would comment almost like the, the beginnings of impromptu speeches so that we can start getting more comfortable speaking, you know, it, with, in random prompts or what have you. And it was those little p- elements of, hey, I'm invested in you. You're invested in me. I'm going to kind of lower the, a little bit the, that student coach boundary a little bit, not to the point where it's unprofessional, but you get to see a little bit more of my life. Um, I get to see a little bit more of your life. If you've got a soccer game, I'll go to that. Um, those types of things mean, mean the world. And I, I stopped coaching content and I started coaching people and you could see it. If you look, if you look at Souderton's, um, progression, we were mired in the mid 30 thousands. And all of a sudden we started believing in people. And all of a sudden we haven't, we haven't gotten less than 40,000 since. Yeah. I mean that everything about that story reigns very true. And a lot of the different schools that I've talked to, especially that one piece that you mentioned about if, if you've got a soccer game, I'm going to go to it. I don't know how many coaches I've heard at, at really, you know, high performing uh, academic decathlon team schools that have done very similar things. When they have other extracurricular activities, uh, the coach somehow finds a way to support them in that. And I think that 
were you to do the opposite, you know, I, I'm not saying that anybody does do this, but and almost discourage involvement in other things, you'd probably see the exact opposite uh, results. So that exactly. among everything else that you're saying is, is really cool. And it, I'm almost just saying I can validate that, not necessarily myself, but just through, through all the other people that I've talked to that that's definitely a recipe for success. Absolutely, without a doubt, and we're still building that that culture. It's not it's not a finished product. It's oh, of course, one states, but it's definitely not a finished product. Right? Yeah, and it never is. It, it definitely never is. Culture, right? I mean, you, culture is going to change year after year, too. Right? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, the, the, this particular group of kids is way different than the group that uh, in 2016, when I thought we had another legitimate shot to to win the state title. It's just a completely different group of people. And next year's group is going to be completely different as well. It's kind of, this is uncharted territory for me. I've never had to plan for nationals before, but I, I, I'd be lying if I said that my stress levels weren't very, very high, not just from the planning the nationals part, but from the idea that we've got to get together a, a group for next year at the same time while we're preparing for nationals. That, that's the double piece that that's kind of, no, that is really hard. I actually remember, so at my school, the year before I joined, they went to nationals, and I think they got second place at nationals, actually. But they uh, they didn't start recruiting until after nationals. And yeah. that's just crazy, because there was only, there was less than a month left, I think, in the school year at that point, to think, you know, how little time you really get if you're going to nationals to do the recruiting portion. So if you're doing both in parallel, um, I can imagine that, the stress levels are beyond imagine. Yeah, right. Right before your right before your phone call, I just finished uh, writing out the individualized letters that I'm sending to uh, to kids' homerooms or what have you. Oh, very cool. Well, good for you. I think that that's going to work out well for you. <laughs> I hope so. you're not going to miss a beat going into next year with that. With that, well, I'm curious because this is your first time going to nationals. I hear a lot about burnout and also just you know. I don't know how to say this. I'm trying to, a lot of the schools that aren't like going to win basically. And I'm not saying you're not going to win. I hope you, I hope that doesn't come out that way. <laughs> I'll say it. I'll, I'll, I'll say it for you. We're not okay. going to win. <laughs> and, and, and I'm saying, again, I'm trying to be as nice and saying that as possible, but there, there is a huge score discrepancy between, you know, that to be completely frank, the, the California schools and, and people in that echelon and every other school, the other 50 schools that end up going to nationals. So with that mentality, with that idea going in, I know it's not all about winning, but I wanted to hear kind of what it is from your perspective, what your goals are going into nationals and how you guys are approaching preparing for nationals, you know, to make this trip something that the kids can remember. Yeah. And as a, and as a coach, I'm trying to balance two very different things. One is this is the Super Bowl of geeks. Like I, I, <laughs> when, when I went in, in 2004, like it was literally the coolest thing I had ever done. And I'm, I'm 31 years old now. And I still look back on that as one of the defining moments of my life. And it's an experience that deserves to be cherished. But to what extent? Because if you, if, if you go hardcore, you're locking your kids in their rooms and you're ordering pizza and you're not wasting time with the events because you've got a championship to win. Like that's, that's one extreme. I don't know sure. if California, Texas, and Ohio, the, the 50,000-plus teams, I don't know if they do that or not. Like I said, I, I, I just don't have that experience. Right. Um, but on the other hand, it, you want to make sure that these kids have 
you know, the opportunity to, to just look around them and see what's up and explore the city a little bit. And so um, I, I think we've got a good balance of that. Um, at the at the conclusion of states, um, what I said to the team was twofold. Number one, I I wasn't I don't want to say I wasn't pleased because I was super happy. Like we won states like without a doubt. Right. But we won it with forty two thousand seven hundred ninety one points. And I know that to the exact number because we won our state championship by five points. Yeah. And, th- and, and th- I don't know, I, like, we can actually crunch those numbers. We can get Sebastian Garza on that. He can probably figure out whether or not that's the closest margin in decathlon history at the state level or whatever. But that left me with a little bit of uncertainty in my mouth. And I, I knew that this was a team that could break 44, 45,000 points. We, we end, I mean, all of our kids work. All of our kids have um, some other obligations, and we don't have it as a class. I think that last month really graded on, on our kids, and we couldn't, we didn't, we weren't at our peak at States. So I think one of the things that we want to do at nationals is show up with an exclamation point, say this wasn't a fluke. And we want to get to that 44,000 point barrier and hopefully potentially be top 10 of the division one, two, three teams. That would, that would make us feel good. And I think that's a reasonable goal to achieve. You're, you're not beating California. It's, it's the, the, the logistics and the culture out there. And from an administrative support standpoint, there's just some things that they do that if I walked into my, my principal's office and said, hey, we want to win a national championship, here's how we have to restructure our entire school system in yeah. order to do that, we, we just can't. That, right. That's just not something that culturally I can do. I can erode that, and maybe in 20 years I can get something resembling that. But it's not yeah. happening, happening in 2018. Well, I think um, there are some steps in, in there too, right? I mean, you, you just mentioned you don't have a class. Uh, that's, that's a really, that makes it that much more impressive, I think, that you guys are going to nationals. I, I don't know how many other schools that go to nationals that don't have that class structure for academic decathlon. Well, I mean, that, that's why um, our Eastern Pennsylvania region is, is quite pleased with themselves because, um, you know, and, I, this, and um, the Collegiate Academy, people know this and I'm friends with them and whatever, but we know they have a class and North Penn and Souderton do not. And over the past five years, you know, the, the teams without a class have beaten the teams with a class. That's impressive. Um, which is a good accomplishment in, uh, in and of itself. Yeah. Um, and uh, just, just moving forward with the motivation piece, I, I told the kids, hey, we're in Division One. We're playing with the big boys. Pick a couple of subjects. And I hate doing this as a coach because you know as well as I do that Akadek is a, is a team-based event. It's the 10 events. But I mm-hmm. said, you know what? I mean, pick a couple subjects because you're going to need a 960 to medal. Like, yeah, in, in all light, likelihood, <laughs> at you, least. Right. <laughs> well, no, not at least because you go. No, I'm teasing. Yeah. You can guarantee <laughs> yes, yourself math. a medal if you get a 960. <laughs> like, yes, if you get a 960 in something, you are coming back with hardware. And so I said, Correct. pick a couple of subjects just to just completely wreck and master. Um, I even put together some individual study guides, um, like what to do on what days based nice. on of the three weakest subjects that each kid had at States or what have you. Cause it, I mean, it's impossible to reread all six subjects as a club team in that gap between States. And oh nationals. yeah. Oh yeah. So I said, well, we're going to pick three. That's still going to be a grind, but you're going to pick three. And then with, um, speeches, I told them to, um, you know what, like w- when we've been evaluating speeches, we've been somewhat safe with it. Like, we know we can get speeches that are, you know, 800 ish, 
you know, guaranteed because you're picking a good topic, you're de- delivering it with conviction or whatever, what have mm-hmm. you. If you've got something to say and you want to say it and you want to say it loud and proud and you want to go for that thousand, it's either going to be a 300 or it's going to be a thousand, like like one of the two. Sure. Um, like, go for it. Like, we're, we're just going, you know, you know, full tilt and you know, leave no stone in turn because we've got nothing to lose at this point. Like, this is a great, yeah. a great experience. I agree. Um, so and I, I was a little I was a little miffed because uh, I think yesterday um, USAD uploaded it's like summary of awards and like these 20 different documents that I'm still going through. But I was a little disappointed that I did not see uh, Division One, Two, Three Rookie of the Year because that was another goal that we we had. And we're a little disappointed that uh, it doesn't seem to be on the list of awards because that was one that I, I was, you know, I feel like it has been for. for a really long time. I, I, I feel like that might be worth reaching out about because I, I don't see why they would ever want to get rid of that. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know who I would reach out to, but Hey, I, I, I yeah. you're, you're, you're right. Cause that, I, I mean, that's that a whole a different thing. can of worms. <laughs> yeah. Like I, we won't, I was, we won't even touch on that part, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I don't feel yeah, comfortable jumping into that territory yet. Yeah, about, like, exactly. The, uh, the, the, the bureaucracy of USAD and the various state organizations. Give, give us a, give us a few, uh, months or probably years of, of doing this podcast and, and kind of gaining a following before we can tread into that territory. <laughs> right. But uh, I, I wanted to say, I wanted to make a little uh, funny joke, but are, are any of your students picking math for their subject? The subject, one of the three subjects that they're studying to improve on before now in nationals. I'm sorry. I, I didn't hear the subject. You said math, math. Yeah. Um, one, I, I picked math as one of our, um, one of the nine kids or what have you that needs math okay. as their as their improvable. Um, and, nice. and my second coach is a math teacher. So during the days that she's coaching the kids, um, they're, they're go- going through math one on one. OK, cool. I was I was only honestly curious because of all the subjects that I've heard. So they all kind of get a little bit crazy for round four. And this is just insight that I've gotten from other people. But uh, in terms of test difficulty, round four is really the only one of the four that has like a noticeable difference in difficulty. I mean, you know, obviously there are differences between the first three rounds, but the one that people always call to for, and then specifically math, math year on year, for whatever reason is wildly more difficult in round four than it is for any of the other rounds. And I don't know why, but I, I was curious if anybody was doing that just to sort of give that expectation. If you hadn't already heard that, I mean, you've done way more score analysis than I ever have, but if you hadn't already heard that, I, I wanted to share that little tidbit. No, I, ha- I hadn't heard that you're saying math is more difficult. I didn't hear that part. Yeah, I did. Sorry that it's cutting out. I, I do want to confirm that I listened to our little test recording. Both of our words were recorded fine. I think just we, for whatever reason, have, because yours cuts out every once in a while too. I'm sorry that mine's cutting out so much for you. Yeah, so so I did not know that math was more difficult at the national level. Um, it probably makes sense. Um, I I don't having gone through it. That was nationals was the place I got my thousand in math. And you're you're talking yeah. Well, of, <laughs> what was your math? What was the math? What year is that? Two thousand. That was two thousand four. That was before the. That was the first. That was the last year of the twenty five question format. So I got out. That's easy. what I was going to ask. Yeah, <laughs> was one of the years sometime around then. I just remember because I, I got really excited about this when I was looking at old math topics. One of the years around then was like fractal geometry or something. Was that your yeah, year? Yeah, dude. That that was man. That was my sophomore year. Um, that there was, oh. there was some, there was some <laughs> as a sophomore. Scenes. 
Yeah, there, there were some wonky themes. Uh, I remember Understanding Others, which was my introduction. Oh, yeah. And the, the music for Understanding Others was country music. Like, I, I, I just... You can't make you know, this you, stuff just, up. I shake my head a little bit on those. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I, um, I don't remember a, a lot of the history. I just remember little details here and there. But uh, Todd Decker, who was on our first podcast, mentioned those, those themes. Understanding blank for like three or four years in a row were were the result of uh the USAID director having some a very unique uh belief system and, and basically saying this is what I want the curriculum to be about for those three or four years. Obviously not too directly influencing it, but at least influencing the overall idea. So I remember hearing some of those themes and thinking, yeah, I don't know if we could get people to do decathlon now if those were the themes. Well sometimes it was actually directly um I don't, I don't know if you competed in the era where super quiz was, um, a subject like its own thing. Yeah, I did. Okay. It was like the well, last year. And I it think. was all, it was all primary source articles. It had, it wasn't right. actually like an, a, like a social science, like a, like a conglomeration. It was super quiz was either the science or the social science uh-huh. and it was all primary source articles. Well, they did one on religion and, or, or no, it might've been evolutionary biology. I can't remember what it was. But they inserted an article from one of the board members, like basically waxing poetic about like, this is what I believe about this controversial issue. And it was part of the curriculum. They got in trouble for it. I can't remember. I can't remember the exact situation. So I don't want to be sued for libel here or anything like that. But I do remember very distinctly that there was a controversial issue back in like the late 90s ish where there was a primary source article that was just basically one of the USAD people saying, Hey, um, this is what I believe. That's hilarious. That's really funny. I I I appreciate you sharing that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's, there's, there's been some stuff in in the, in the past. It's been funny like that. And I don't, I don't take that kind of stuff personally. It was, it's just, Hey, you, you you memorize it. You study it. I I remember, (laughs) I remember um, that one of, one of my decathletes last year, Jerry Zhang. Um, he uh, <laughs> he was doing an interview or something like that. Like, what's what's your favorite art piece or whatever? Or so something about the art. And he remember I remember him replying like, "Well, I'm not really sure what it actually is, but the packet says it's this." <laughs> <laughs> oh man! If I had a dollar for every time I heard something along those lines, like I'm not sure what the actual answer to this question is. However, on page 87. Column two, paragraph three, this is what USAD says that the answer is. And, and that's the dark side of decathlon, I think, is, is when it gets down to that rote memorization as opposed to like legitimate cultural understanding and expansion of the mind and all that kind of stuff. Like that's the stuff I live for is like, oh, my God, you're, you're a math and science person. Now you understand art, art stuff and you can appreciate music. Like that's awesome. But you have to know like 17 different kinds of African drums that are like just literally a bulleted list and reference nowhere else in the packet. Like that part, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's I think it depends on what what your goal is, what to get out of academic decathlon, because I think a lot of people and I know and I'm not saying you're saying this, but I think a lot of people say that you need to know those 17 African drums. Right. Like you need to know what they are, how to compare them by different factors and you know all of these different things but when it really nope, comes down to it just straight you, up bulleted list yeah okay so <laughs> perfect so bullet but, but what my, my point that i'm making is i don't i think a lot of people say that but when it really comes down to it do you do you personally think that that actually 
like, would you ever encourage people to get down to that level of detail? Like, do you think that they actually ask questions that specifically around that bulleted list? Um, I, I, what your question was, would I, would I expect that out of my own students? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just curious what, what your personal thought is on that. Cause I think a lot of schools, just depending on what their focus is, will, will say, yeah, you need to make sure you know all those bulleted lists because there's a chance that could come up, but should you focus on yeah, the sure. I mean, that those weird things should come up or vice versa? You know, did you see what I'm getting in, at? In decathlon, it's absolutely going to come up. I mean, that's, that's like the one question that's going to separate your 980 from your thousand. Like, correct. Right? Cause they, they, you, they're very good at that. Like you, the bulk of the questions, if you read the package, if you have a good understanding, you could eke out a 700, maybe 740, what have you, if you know the basics and you know them thoroughly, but man, they're, they're usually like, you know, maybe five questions on these tests that are just like, Oh, this is a, a bullet point or a subheader on a picture somewhere or like a, a, a year that the specific year that, that this was created. And it's not even by decade, so you can't guesstimate. It's like, is it 1942, 1943, 1944, 1945, or 1946? You know, much like the, the Zathlon all-star competition. <laughs> I was about to say, I think, I think we did that a couple times this year. Especially art. Art was a beast this year for our tests. Um, people were always saying that there were just these, like, really specific questions just like that where we would have yeah. five dates and they would be one year apart from each other. I'm like, yeah, well, get used to it. This is academic decathlon. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is how the questions get asked. But if you're training for no. that, that's the right way to go. Like, I, I completely right. get the logic behind it. Correct. Yeah, right. We, we don't just do it. I mean, so I wouldn't personally do it. If I, if I got to be USAD for a year, I don't think we would do that. But um, I think that we do it from a Zathlon, you know, and in the past from a decademy perspective, because you have to get students used to that. I mean, you can't really like, like if you're, if you're doing decathlon for the first time, because I, I remember this, when I did decathlon for the first time, I, I went in and I did not know how specific they were going to get. And I almost went, swung the pendulum too far in the direction of memorizing too much, what I would yeah. call like minu minutia or almost nonsense, because it was just like, oh, I need to know how much the grapes cost when they stopped at this place along their journey, you know, on the way. To California, you know, and things like that. And then it's just like, that's useless. Like there's, that really provides you no actual long-term value. But I think that you can get stuck in that mental trap of, of thinking that that's the kind of stuff they're going to ask because they do ask really specific questions. But I think that sometimes the specific questions aren't as specific as people might train themselves to think. Does that make sense? It does. And, and, and my, my background as an analytics kind of guy is I'm the one that's going to go into those tests and, and kind of say, okay, about 50% is broad scope, maybe 30% medium scope, 20% very specific scope at the very least, right. you know, you can, you can kind of, I've almost thought of it almost as like, um, you know, where, where's your biggest bang for your studying buck? Um, uh -huh. Where like, if you know that, for example, it was music this year, music was the one that was, you know, across all the competitions, that was the one that was the most specific. Um, and if you grind music, you could get that score up, but it may not be as um, as much of an advantage as, let's say, doing the social science packet, which was somewhat specific. However, most of those tests were written sequentially, you know, at least in the practice test that we were aware of. And, yep. and based off of that, we could say, OK, you can kind of almost n narrate the packet from question one to question 50. 
versus music, which was a little more, you know, random and, and chaotic. Yeah. Do you know if uh, from your data grabbing of tests or rounds one, two and three, if that was actually the case, like, did they end up being sequential still? I, I didn't catch any of that question. I'm sorry. No worries. I'll, I'll repeat it. Um, from rounds one, two and three, do you know if social science was actually sequential like you predicted? That, that's what my kids told me. I obviously didn't look at the test, but uh, of course, yeah, and I told me afterwards. Trust me, everything I've ever learned about a test has been hearsay, you know, basically asking general broad questions about things like that, that they can actually speak to never, never specific. So don't right. worry about that. Yeah, disclaimer. And that's I understand. Feedback I got from the kids was was that the social science was written like from page one to page 100 versus music, which was very specific facts and, and just, you know, random and chaotic. You know, and, and we can okay. use that to our advantage. If we see if we get that same pattern in the practice test, round one, round two, round three, you can make a reasonable assumption. And maybe you're wrong, but that's the risk you take in, in round four. Uh-huh. No, that's cool. I like that insight. Trust me, that, those are the types of things that I get excited about are the, <laughs> the random little intricacies of the tests. Now I'm going to go look at all of our Zaphon ones and see if, if yeah, we right? picked up on that. No, that's fine. Um, I'm thinking because there's a million things that we could talk about, but I want to be respectful of, of time for both us and for our listeners. I, I'm going to jump to more broad stuff and maybe we can kind of close okay. up in a, in a little bit, but I'm thinking academic decathlon in broad, in general, you've been doing it for such a long time. What's one thing that you wish would change? What's that one thing that I what? That you wish would change about academic decathlon because you've spent enough time in it to have a, probably a pretty good idea of, of what your ideal decathlon looks like. Um, the one thing that I would change is, um, huh, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, Thanks. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really good. And I don't have, I don't have a, an off the cuff answer for you. Um, one thing that I would change about academic decathlon um, I don't know how you would do it. I, I honestly don't know how you would do it. Um, but I would, I would find a way to categorize the schools by, I don't know, not by school size. Cause I don't, I don't think that that's the, that's the kicker. I think that, that it would be by, um, you know, things like whether or not they have a class, whether or not the coach is full time, Things like that, because I mean, the, the playing field isn't school size. And I think a lot of us know that it's not school size. Yeah. Obviously, if you have more kids, that does give you a little bit of an advantage. But in all honesty, I can find nine kids if you give me 200 or 2000. Like, I, I don't feel like that's as much of a limiting factor. I mean, you look at Oakwood. I mean, they, they get 50000 in Ohio if it does a Division II team, but they've historically been Division Three. I really don't think that school size is the way to mitigate these divisions. And I also have a problem with, with the way that California does it with their score-based divisions. I also don't think that's the answer either. I, I right. think that, that, the, the, um, that the divisions really should be separated on, on how – the, the program exists within the school environment. If you have a full-time coach, uh, that, that, that's all they do um, versus having a class versus having a club. Like, I, I, I don't know how you would do that, but if, 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 if I think that's a more even playing field than anything else. I, I mean, other than that, yeah. I, I mean, 
if you could find a way to make kids actually produce music and art rather than taking a test on it, but that's, that would be adding two more subjectives. Um, you know, I've always actually that both of those things are things that I've gone on the record at some point saying the same thing. So I definitely follow you. That second one I think is particularly interesting because I've always felt that way too. Um, yeah. I don't think it's impossible. I think it's something that we could totally get towards in the future. Uh, and I think that it would provide uh, I'd also like super quiz kind of, to mean something again too. Like, yeah, right, right now it's pointless. I, I hate to say yeah. it, but it's pointless. I, I'm almost at a point because I, I run the Eastern Pennsylvania region. I, I based off of the fact that we're we have a one day regional where we're there at eight in the morning and we don't get out of there until six p.m. I'm thinking about just cutting super quiz relay out because that's an hour of time that that serves no purpose anymore. Yeah, when it should be the opposite. I mean, that should almost be like the deciding factor. I mean, obviously change how it's structured a little bit, but that should be like where most of the testing happens is in that live, cool arena kind of format. I, I loved it the way that it was. I, I mean, I, again, I don't, I don't know the timelines 100%, but, but I loved it when Super Quiz was one of the subjects and the Super Quiz relay yep. counted for 40% of that subject. That yeah. was that was the, the the sweet spot, and why they had to change it, I'm not entirely sure. Me neither, but that, again, that's for our other that's for our other podcast. Yeah, of course. Uh, discuss, discussing the bureaucracy by Zathlon. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm being I'm being I don't know I don't know what I'm being, but I should stop being it right now. Um, my well, I, I really like your two in points. Community and then the change, we are the we want it to be that, good that that make it feel less core you know, depending on when you competed, probably are have a little bit of friction. Sure. And I, I think for me, it's not even an issue of moving away from the core. I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think it's more just uh, changing for the sake of changing. Uh, I think that changing with a real goal or vision in mind towards what, you know, an ideal state would look like, rather than changing with the idea that we need to invest less resources because it's too hard to do in the way that it is right now. Right. I think that, you know, that, that to me is the part that really sticks with me. And when you think about super quiz being the way it was with all those primary sources, um, that's one of my, you know, if, if I had to add a third one on to what you were mentioning about things you would change, I don't know why we're still at the point where resource guides are the way that all the information is being put together because uh, unless it's all primary sources, then, then I think that there's, there's something to that. But um, I mean, research is such a real skill that people actually really need to learn. And I just don't see why in the age of the internet, like the internet basically being where we all live, why we're at the point where people have to purchase uh, written word summaries of information, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think the same way you do. However, I do think that is broken in perpetuity. I, I really do. Like, like I, I, I was in the last legs of the independent research topics. And let's, I mean, let's just face it. People purchased that research from uh, various organizations that we will not speak of on air other than Zathlon. Um, <laughs> but, but, but they're, they're going to purchase them. And, and that's what we did. We, we purchased them and they did our research for us and they made the tests with those research topics or what have you. Um, I mean, yeah. let's be honest, how many people, or how many teams are going to do authentic research on principle just because they believe in it? 
if you're looking if you're looking to win, it's not the most efficient way to go about it. And if you have the resources, you're going to do it. I, I just I think that was a good move for them moving away from independent research topics because it got rid of that advantage that people had by purchasing that research from other folks. I don't know if you can ever get that back. Yeah, no, I, I think that's totally fair. Um, and I can't say that I know the, the answer to that question, but I will definitely, I didn't live through it, right? Like in the way that you did. So I, I appreciate that insight because I don't think I would have really ever gotten it. I might be a little bit too theoretical in the realm of saying, oh yeah, it should be research. But I think your point's a really good one. If, if people, people will find, right? We sell tests, well, right? The, uh, yeah, we're all very, very, um, you know, philosophical about it. You know, you got to balance the, these things I believe with uh with what's what's most efficient for your organization absolutely and you've only got so much time i think that's really what it comes down to you as the coach and the team really only has so much time to do what it is you need to do you want to make sure that you're not wasting i mean right because like for you and i think this is a really good point calling and pulling us back all the way to where we were at the beginning of the conversation to you wasting time could have been sitting in a room ordering pizza and forcing people to study. I really think that that could be wasting time versus the stuff that you're doing with the unlimited tacos, which sound amazing, by the way, I need to figure out where this is next time I'm in Pennsylvania. Cause I've never heard of unlimited tacos, but things yeah, like taco, that. Taco Tuesday. It was, uh, it was uh, like a, it's called margaritas, man. Nine ninety nine. We have one of our, one of our varsities house 13 of them last night, man. That's impressive. I don't know what it is, but I always hear the stories about about varsities really putting away the food. They've they've got they've got life figured out. I envy varsities. It, it, it's it's a law. The only way you're going to get the varsities to show up for the recruiting meeting is with free pizza. I've yep. learned that a long time ago. Yep, I've heard that from every state, every coach. It's it's just how it works. So if you're listening and you didn't know that, now you know. <laughs> I, I coach coaches roundtables. It would be really cool. As a matter of fact, in your first podcast, I was taking notes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to definitely keep doing that. It's it's a little hard remotely. We tried to do it um, with Anchor with multiple people. But for some reason, I think just because people have different types of phones, it doesn't work as well. We're definitely going to I think the roundtable structure is something we're going to take and, and run with more in the future, because I think it's fun to get coaches bouncing off of each other. But I think this format's really fun, too, just sort of the, the interview kind of one on one conversation, too. So we'll, we'll probably do a mix of the two. Yeah, sure. You, hey, it's your podcast, man. Like you, you do what you want. I think these, uh, I love podcasting. I, I even my buddies and I tried to make a Philadelphia sports one or whatever, you know, but uh, kind of flamed out a little bit. You know, I, I love doing this stuff. So if you if you ever want to get in on a like a couple coaches or even oh yeah, a bunch of old farts like us, you know, uh, waxing poetic about days gone by, you know, that'd be fun too. I agree. I will definitely, I will definitely be doing a lot of that. So don't worry about that. Um, I wanted to ask you a question around what you were saying earlier. Can you remind me, because we've just spoken so much since then, what was, what was the first thing that you said around what you would change? Because I had a thought there. Oh, school size, school divisions, right? Yes. How, how you would do divisions. Um, I was going to ask you what... I know you don't know the answer and, and I don't know the answer either to how you would change it, like what you would change it to, to make it better. But uh, around that same sort of idea, what would you do to get more people? If you could find a way to get more people to, to participate in academic decathlon, right? Because let's face the facts across the board, um, except for maybe in California. And I'm sorry if I'm misrepresenting any other States, but uh, I think, I know California isn't, 
but other states are decreasing in the number of schools participating across the board. What would you do to fix that if you had the ability to do so? I feel like you have enough scope and time in decathlon that you might have a good answer to that. So teams, so you're saying that teams are decreasing their scores. I'm trying to piece no, 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 no. what you just said. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's cutting out, but not scores, um, actual participation numbers, like number of schools is going down in most states. Oh, oh my God. Yes. Who? Yeah. So my, I run the Eastern Pennsylvania region and it's a really fun thing to put on my resume, but our Eastern Pennsylvania region, which was the founding region in Pennsylvania academic decathlon is down to five schools. Right. Um, like. I, I, I feel like I'm the, the king of a small molehill, you know, I guess it's, 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 it's I love our schools. Our, without five schools, we couldn't even run because the, the awards are like a fixed cost. Um, you know, if we had more schools, it'd be great. We could offer more scholarships and things like that. Um, there, it, I can only tell, talk to you about Pennsylvania. That's fine. Um, because that's, that's all, that's all I know. Pennsylvania has a great amount of competition from um, a, a, a quiz bowl, that is, let's face it, less money, less work. And that, that's, it's like Jeopardy. You know, you answer a bunch of questions or whatever. And it's statewide. Almost every school in Pennsylvania does it. We call it academic challenge. You know, as a matter of fact, we have it at Souderton. So, you know, as far as getting kids for decathlon, I'm competing against, um, you know, that, that program to get students that would do academic competitions. Right. So that's one, that's one thing that, if a district is looking at its financials, you have, all right, we pay $500 just to, for the right to compete in academic decathlon, plus 700 for materials, you know, plus, you know, money to pay the coach, money for travel, et cetera. If a, digi- if a district is looking at its financials and doesn't know the difference and, and doesn't have anybody to advocate for them, because when we've lost programs, we, we went from... 18 schools down to five in the course of, you know, 15 years with the, uh, the 2008 financial crisis. When a district is looking at that, when we've lost schools, it's because coaches have retired and the new coach, it doesn't, wasn't trained didn't mentor and the kids that were involved graduated and there's nobody to carry on the legacy of the program. And then some, though some bean counter over at an office says, well, this is costing us X number of dollars. How many kids participate? Oh, five people. Um, why are we doing this? And so they, they cut it. And I'm, you know, I, I try and send messages and try and get people, you know, gifted coordinators or whatever to, to, um, to, to do more with it. And it just cuts out. I, I, I think that the profit motive of USAD is an issue. And I hate to say that, but I think it's a, it's a, it's a reality. It, it's another one of these rants that I can go on for hours and hours on end, but I even thought about, well, what if you could create a version of this that didn't require you to purchase materials, make the economics, just the basics. Like if you took AP econ, you'd be okay. Make literature, just critical reading, Um, make art, art basics and fundamentals, music, music basics and fundamentals, have a general science like biology, chemistry, physics, you know, do like American and European history. Like, yeah, could you make a version of this that doesn't require you to buy $700 just to even get in the door. Right. Cause that, that's the part that when I talk to schools and say, this is a great program. This is awesome. How do we get this at our school? They do a first year grant, but after that they're like, how are we going to fundraise this? Yeah. And 
without a motivated coach and motivated students, because we've been, oh man, let me tell you about fundraising, man. This, this nationals trip has been uh, of like, we've been doing restaurant stuff. We've been selling stuff. Like it's, it's taken a good number of man hours just to get to that point and to ask a brand new coach, unfamiliar with the program and brand new students like, Hey, do you believe in this enough to give us $1,200 just right off the bat? I think that's a hard sell. And I think a lot of districts are looking the other way, especially when the barrier to competition is actually quite high. You know, oh yeah. Your, 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 your top schools are so entrenched and so good that there's a lot of like, well, why bother? Yeah. And I know that's a quitters mentality. I know we'll never have that at Souderton, but no, I can, I can see it in other places. But it's kind of that flux in, flux out thing, right? You know, if if people are leaving for whatever reason, whether it's retirement, they just, you know, they move to another school, there's nobody to replace them, stuff like that. Strong one. The reason the numbers are decreasing is because it's so hard to get in in the first place. Sorry, what was that? From a, It's so hard to get in in the first place from a monetary standpoint or from a com- competition standpoint. And that's why the numbers will go down rather than up or stay the same. Yeah. I, I remember when I, when I interviewed at Satterton, um, th- this was, I guess in January, 2012. And I said, look, I'm, I'm going to be bringing this with me kind of whether you like it or not. Um, and, and, and um, thankfully I got the job still after having that kind of attitude. Um, <laughs> but, but you have to, ma- I've heard this from a couple of people that have done upstart programs you've got to believe in it enough to, to put it forward yourself until the, it, you can demonstrate the worth. This state championship that we've won means so much, not just from a decathlon standpoint, but from a school culture standpoint. Um, it, a, it says that, hey, this, this is now a serious thing. Like, like, you can, like we can win championships. We can go to nationals. That is now a thing that can happen. You know, we've been featured in the paper. The school held a pep rally of all things. You know, they, they wow. drove all the all the kids out to the the gymnasium for for us in the year and the yearbook, which won a prestigious award. Um, and it it just it changes it from a school culture standpoint that we're now having that conversation about a class. We're now having that conversation of moving the budget from an independently financed organization to hey, we'll pay for the materials. You know, because we're gonna we're thinking about doing it as a class, and that just gives us more resources because that money that we were raising and spending on just keeping afloat can now be spent on things like um, uh, Zathlon tests. And uh, <laughs> You know, I'm never the thing. one doing advertising on the podcast. It's always the people I'm interviewing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I'm going to throw you a bone, you know? Thanks. Appreciate it. No, that's, that is so cool. I, I really love to hear that. Um, and that, that's really, that's how, I don't know. I'm, I can't speak at a broad level, but that's just how psychology, you know, human psychology works, right? Until you really yeah. throw something, a big shiny thing in front of somebody, people don't see the value, but you guys won something. Even if they don't know what you won or really anything about the program, the fact that you won, you're the best in the state by some measure is remarkable. And I think that that gets people excited. So I'm very happy to hear, you know, again, regardless of all other variables, the fact that you guys are at least now able to have those conversations about growing your program and being able to take it that much more seriously and get that much more support, like props. That's seriously amazing. I appreciate it, man. I mean, we're not a 45,000 team, but you know what we, what we have 
and I and I've always believed in bringing this that, that if you have persistence and passion, you know, and, and just the if when you see an obstacle, you want to plow through it rather than you know you know wave your hands and in, in, in defeat. I think you can go anywhere. I I think that's true for anything. I really do agree. Yep. You know, you do do something that you love, you're passionate about, and that you're good at, and you're gonna you're gonna do well for yourself. Um, so I, I hope that everybody who's listening feels that way about academic decathlon, because if we have enough, I think just enough critical mass of people feeling that way about this program, or at least what the core of it is, um, we're going to continue to see it hopefully thrive and, and grow in the future in one form or another. And that's, that's really the goal for me, um, you know, with this podcast, it's not, and I, I've had the conversation before I've had my cute little one-off comments, but it's not meant to sell <laughs> tests, right? You know, that's not, that's not why I have the podcast. Yeah, the yeah, podcast yeah. is to, to build a community. Part of selling the tests is also to build a community because we're doing the competitive part of it. But really, I want to get people excited because I know so many people who are excited and who are doing well and are thriving in a decathlon world. But I also know people on the other end who are not a part of it anymore or are leaving it. And I want to somehow bridge, you know, bridge that gap, but create a system where people can learn from people like you who have seen success in numerous forms from decathlon uh, and take what you've done, you know, from a cultural aspect, from a learning what you did as a student, all the way through your journey as a coach, as a director, things like that, apply it to their own world and see these little pockets of decathlon kind of build up and start growing and thriving. And, and I hope that that I think that you did a really great job highlighting a lot of that stuff in, in this conversation we've just had. Um, and I hope that people continue to learn from people like you. And that's, I guess, without ranting too much longer, that that's the whole point of doing this. So I appreciate you bringing up all the things that you brought up kind of independently of even my asking. Sure. Sure. I appreciate the time. And before we do cut out, like, yeah, I, I don't want to, I don't want to end on, on, on doom and gloom here with what we were talking about being like, People, schools are leaving and all that kind of stuff. And, and I'm actually very optimistic about that because of people like you, people like myself, people like a lot of other people that are, that are, that are, we, I'll, I'll call us the crazies, you know? We're, yeah. We're, we're definitely crazy. crazy decathlon people. You can count us probably on, on two, two hands, maybe, maybe 20 people. If for whatever reason, USAD, you know, doesn't stay the way that it is, there's it's going to rise from the ashes. There's enough of totally. us to create a new board and a new organization to try and create something new. Um, and, and I don't I don't mean to advertise that USAD is going anywhere. It's not, at least in the short term. But I mean, I, I plan on doing this for the next 20, 30 years. Should something happen, it's, it's going to there's going to be something. Um, yep. And along those lines, um, for anybody listening, I, um, I, I just wanted to throw out there that um, I'm really trying to get a network of us East coast people together to try and put together some competitions and things like that and grow that community because there's a big thriving community, California, Texas, Arizona, that whole Southwest region of things is very, very decathlon centric, very decathlon heavy. And there's a good number of us schools in the East coast. We just don't talk to each other. Yeah. If you're listening to this, um, feel free to look me up on Satterton's webpage, send me an email where we're planning some, some multi-state stuff that I really want to get off the ground with the uh, Sebastian Garza and myself. And Perfect. I was about to say, definitely you know, link up many, with Sebastian. Many folks going on. What's that? I was going to say definitely link up with Sebastian, but you already are. So that's awesome. And um, beyond okay. linking up with Sebastian, I was going to say, uh, you know, uh, again, not advertising myself, but 
please let us know. We'll throw some some free, you know, I'm saying that with the anticipation, hopefully nobody listening is going to ask for free tests too. But if you're, if you're, <laughs> if you're, if you're host, if you're hosting a competition multi-statewide, that's what we're trying to get to, right? We're trying to get yeah, global, yeah. national, you know, people competing against more than just their neighbors. So let us know and we'll be happy to sponsor any of those competitions. Yeah. We'll, we'll put your banner up and everything, you know? <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go, man. All this free advertising, what's going on? No, that's seriously cool. And that's, that's really, I think what it comes down to, we can't rely on a centralized source of excitement or investment or anything like that. We know that from experience. And I think that these grassroots efforts of really passionate people building this sort of decentralized network of the athletes and coaches is, is exactly the way to go. And I'm, I'm very much trying to support those way possible. So I'm, I'm glad to hear you guys are doing that. Absolutely, man. We'll make it happen. Absolutely will. Um, and once again, uh, I really, this was a fantastic conversation. Uh, I hope that everybody who's listening, you know, got at least one little tidbit out of it, but I think that there could have been at least a hundred. Um, so that's really cool. And I know for a fact, Phil, that I will definitely be, you know, obviously we'll, we'll keep talking, whether it's through email or whatever means, but um, I'll definitely have you on the podcast again maybe maybe uh, waxing poetically with another coach because it seems like you've got a lot of really good thoughts. And I think that there's even more up, up in your noggin to kind of share with our audience. Yeah, without a doubt. And hey, anybody that I'm going to see at Nationals, uh, hit us up. We'll be in the Eagle shirts. Perfect. Awesome. Good networking. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys do. I will uh, talk to you later, Phil. I hope you have a wonderful day. And thanks again for talking. All right, without a doubt, man. We'll see you around, Nick. See you, Phil. Bye-bye. Bye. Once again, thank you for listening to Zaflon Talk. Please leave a comment. Call in if you're using Anchor. Send us an email at academiczaflon at gmail.com. Any way that you can, send us feedback about this podcast, our podcast in general. Let us know your thoughts so that we can improve and continue to serve the decathlon community. I hope you have the best day ever.